you, Jesus. You're our all in all. Jesus, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, your word says, Hebrews 12, 2, looking away from all what to distract, from everything that tries to grab our attention, but to keep our eyes on you. You're the beginner and you're the finisher of our spiritual life on earth. And Lord, we know that you're the living word. So when we keep our eyes on your word, we're keeping our eyes on you. 
And we're keeping our eyes on you. We're keeping our eyes on your word. And we know that your word always brings to pass what it says it will. And so we thank you tonight as we're in your holy presence. We're going to see your words. And Lord, we're going to grab a hold of everything we've got. And we're going to do what they say. And then we know, Lord, you're the one that confirms your word with signs following in our lives. And we just want to thank you, Lord. We're born again. We're filled with your spirit. We belong to you. And we're going to finish everything, absolutely everything, that's in your plan and purpose for our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about how to receive from God uh, every time, not sometimes, not maybe he will, maybe he won't, maybe he don't, but he will. And uh, open up to 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 12 and 13. And while you turn it there, I just want to share uh, some thoughts I was having while we were worshiping. You know, we said a while ago, talking about all the youth going away on their youth trip. How, how many remember 1965? Remember 1965, President Kennedy just got assassinated and Lyndon Johnson just got inaugurated? Oh, they don't remember 1965. I know that. He just got assassinated at the end of 63. Then we had 64, the Lyndon Johnson years. Anyway, I said that to say this. In 1965, about this time of the year, I was going to a Baptist church to try to hit on girls. No, no I was a sinner. I come there and I knew that, man, this ought to be easy picking. The man come to a church. Uh, parents, keep your eyes open all the time for the predators. Not saying I was a predator, but I, I was going to, going to a church and I, my motives weren't totally pure. But anyway, they were going to go on a, a youth trip to Cap Chautauqua in Ohio. And so I went to Cap Chautauqua, Ohio in the summer of 1965. And when I got there, I wasn't really doing all the Christian thing. Matter of fact, the police grabbed me one night outside of the camp. But I lied my way out of it and got back in. And then a man named Dr. Art Wilson. I always remember his name. He was a big, big, famous Baptist evangelist. And he gave an altar call. And all those good church kids were already good, but a lot of them were as rotten as I was. But they, they, they knew how to fake it better. And so all those good church kids didn't really have to go to the altar but I was a true sinner. And when Art Wilson gave that altar call that night, I went up to the altar. And I gave my life to Jesus. And I was sold out. But I lived in a family that wasn't Christians. And so it was really, really tough. My dad, mom, everybody else, man, I had, I had a battle in the house to go to church. And I would actually walk to church three or four miles, however far it was to go to church. I would ask all the people in the church, and you know, this is, this is something for, for uh, the adults here too. I would go around and I'd ask different men, different families, hey, can you pick me up Sunday? You can pick me up Sunday? Basically, my grandma did it, but she didn't go every Sunday. And so I did what it took to get to church. And they had a very good salvation message every week. They didn't teach faith. They taught faith to be saved. And so every week they played songs, just as I am, and all kinds of songs. And so every week 
because I was so hungry for God, I felt like every week, man, I got to answer that altar call. And so how many times can you get saved? You know, you got to learn something, how to stay saved. And so anyway, I was thinking as we was worshiping about what I'm going to teach tonight, that if I would have went to a church that taught how to live by faith, not just how to get saved by faith, but how to live by faith, that I would have handled the adversity in my home. And then in the school, my brother was a uh, letterman. He had a letter sweater, jacket, everything like that. He was, he was a wrestling champion, and I was witnessing to all of his buddies. And he got mad at me all the time. He said, man, quit, hey, quit talking that religious stuff to all my friends. You're embarrassing me. And so I was hit in the school. I was hit at home. And so I lasted about a year. And it was over. And so then I never came back to Jesus until I was 28 and a half years old. But I'm just thinking, we're singing these songs, thinking about what I'm going to preach. And I'm thinking, if that church would have done something trying to get me saved every week, man, I was already caught. Man, all I had to do was clean me up. They just tried to keep catching the same fish over and over again. I mean, you know, when you're a young guy like that, and you're hungry for God, and every week, I don't know if you've ever been to the churches like that, they really bring big on salvation, but that's where they stop at. I mean, man, when you're sitting in your seat there, the Holy Spirit's moving in that congregation, and the guy keeps on going, we're going to sing one more stanza. I know there's one more out there. And I sit there and think, man, I'm okay. Jesus, I'm okay. There's one more. We're not going to go home till this one more comes up here. They did that every week. And so every week I was the one more. I got tired of being the one more. Hey, man, does anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Man, if you're saved, if you're saved and you're going through problems, the answer is not to get saved again. The answer is to be able to know what to do Amen. to overcome the problem. Am I preaching to myself or is anybody else hearing? Anybody else identify with this? Amen. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about how your faith, you, can receive from God every time. And I think about the Bible. There's so many faith things I can quote. And, you know, those of you who have been coming here for a long time and you guys that are serious students of the Word, there's so many faith things that you know. You know that Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith, impossible pleasing. Amen. That God's rewarded them that diligently seek Him. Jesus said, If you had faith, you can speak to the mountain. Tell it to be removed. Well, I, I can quote you all kinds of scriptures. You can too. And so we know, I'm saying this, that faith is a key ingredient to everything in our life. Faith gets us saved, but faith can also keep us saved. Amen. We shouldn't have to come up and try to get resaved on a regular basis. We ought to be able to get to the place in time where we can pray ourselves if we get into trouble and pray for forgiveness or do what we got to do to be able to keep on walking with God and grow. And then the next time somebody crosses our path that they're struggling, we'll reach down and say, you know what? I went through the same thing. And here's what I did. And then show them some Bible verses. And so anyway, I want you to look here at 2 Peter, chapter 1, at verse 12. And by this time, Peter was, Peter was older, been around for a while. He was a seasoned apostle, walked with Jesus. And he's talking to the people that he ministered to saying this, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or fitting, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, said as long as I live in this physical body, to stir up, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And so I think about those verses, 
And tonight, I'm going to teach some faith things that you need to hear again. And people watching out there, you need to hear again. Peter said, i got to keep on stirring up your mind. i got to remind you. i got to remind you. i got to remind you. And, you know, is, have you ever heard the expression of somebody says, uh, do you remember that? So, no, I slept since then. You ever heard anybody use that expression? I've slept since then. Well, you know, I think about us as Christians. We're in one of the times of the most fiercest spiritual wars there's ever been on this planet. We're at the point in time where everything is about to come to a conclusion that God prophesied in the Bible. And Satan is not going down without a fight. And you think about uh, real armies, that a lot of, a lot of people have been in the Army and Marines and the military, that if, they, if, if the enemy can take out the general or a captain or a big lieutenant or a leader, man, that's a feather in his cap because then the troops don't know what to do. They run around scattered because they don't have leadership. And so there's lots of things hitting the leadership of the body of Christ, but also hitting the troops. And so Jesus, Jesus had Paul say this, you can follow me as I follow Christ. And so we need to have spiritual leaders that can tell you what we did to get promoted to be leaders and get to where we are. And so I want to say that again, what Peter said. He said, I want to stir up your minds. He said, you, though you already know this present truth. Well, how many know the word of God is the present truth? Jesus said, John 17, 17, my word is truth. And there's a lot of things going on right now to try to change the truth. I like what Pastor David said today. You know, I, I don't know how to say it, except it's absolutely pathetic. It's sickening the way they're changing words around today to mean not what they're supposed to mean. And there's Christians and preachers that change the words of God around to mean what they don't mean. God has never changed what he believes. He said what he believes, but that's the way it's going to be. And there's no other standard. His standard's the way it is. And also, I think about our society, that I've watched the schools for the last how many years, because the kids aren't coming up to the standards, instead of raising the kids up to meet the standards, they keep lowering the standards, lowering the standards, lowering the standards. Back when I was in school, they actually gave Fs. And F didn't mean you're a faith student. F means you flunked. And then it was a very dreaded thing. At the end of the semester, we had to actually take report. I don't know what they do now, but we took our report cards home. And so we could peek and see what they said. And I tell you what, it was very dreadful. Get the teacher put on there, what a horrible student you were, and you were held back to the next year. They didn't say, well, you know what? He's such a good little kid. I don't think it's right that he can't spell. He doesn't know how to speak. And he can't write his own name. As ain't Jethro Bodine, he's 21 years old, still in, the, still in the first grade. How many ever saw the Beverly Hillbillies? Hey, Amen. Well, you know what? There's a whole lot of Jethro's running around right now. Because they're not raising them up to the standard. They're lowering the standard. Well, as a Christian pastor and teacher... I'm going to show you the standard, how these things work and what to do, what God expects. But the good thing is everybody, everybody can pass the test because it's an open book test. Amen. But you have to open the book. 
And so Peter said, I'm going to put you in remembrance of what you already know. So I'm going to teach them what I consider in, in Mark chapter 5, as you turn there, one of the most basic faith lessons there are that will work for everybody, everywhere, all the time, no matter what country you live in, no matter uh, what your economic status is, no matter what kind of church you go to, although your church should be a church that teaches the Bible, teaches faith, but it's the faith principles from God. And, you know, when you know Jesus, like I think all of you know Jesus, how many know that Jesus is fair? Jesus never sets you up for you to fail. Jesus would never tell you to do something he didn't give you the knowledge to do. He didn't give you the ability to do. I, I know quite frequently when I'm talking with people, I don't know if I ever preached preach something like this or not, but it comes out of me pretty frequently, people will be telling me about how impossible it is what they're facing, how impossible it is the people they have to deal with, how impossible it is about these financial things, and I'll say, but you got to remember the God factor. you got to remember the God factor. The doctor may have diagnosed this, but the God factor. Well, you know, it may be that this, this ex-husband, ex-wife, these people may be trying to destroy your life, but the God factor. Romans 8.31, if God be for you, who can be against you? Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, with God, with God, the whole factor is with God. And you know, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But he didn't say, you can't leave me and forsake me. You can if you want to, because I can give you free will. He said, I'll never leave you, but you've got to make the choice you'll never leave me. Amen. And so I'll tell you this, there, there's, there's no God failures. There's people that fail God, that God never fails people. And so these verses right here, have some very simple faith principles in them that help you to read, receive from God every time. I want to read the very last verse. I'm, I'm going to be reading verse 25 to 34, but I want to read verse 34 first because you've got to see this. How, you know, I, I know sometimes I talk things from a long time ago, but how many here, besides Walter and myself, and probably Robert, how many ever listened to Paul Harvey on the radio? Robert Dick. Walter, admit it. Uh, I think Michael probably did. Paul Harvey. Well, do you remember a lot of times he'd end it, they'd say this, and now you know the rest of the story. Did you ever hear him say that? He would, he would tell things. Matter of fact, we watched a show, an old uh, cowboy show we liked on TV last night called Death Valley Days. And at the end of the story, at the end of the story, they told the guy that helped these people said that, that was Kit Carson. And, you know, we didn't know that. Uh, you know, we didn't think about history. Kit Carson was a really famous, I guess you call him explorer, whatever he was. Did a lot of things. Well, that was the rest of the story. But there's a lot of battles that a guy like that fought before he got to the end of history where he goes down to history as a man did a lot to settle in the West. Well, as we look at this story right here, and we read this, verse 34, this is the end of the story, but you've got to see the beginning of the story to see why Jesus said what he said. Jesus said, verse 34, he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. 
Thy faith hath made thee whole. <clears throat> Go in peace and behold thy plague. He said, your faith. And a lot of people, and this, this is uh, erroneous teaching, say, well, just leave it in God's hand. God knows what's best. Well, yeah, we leave our problems in God's hands, but then we use our faith as we're dealing with problems. You don't just leave it in his hands and walk away from it. You've got to be doing something while the battle's going on. You've got to do something in the faith arena to make things happen. He didn't tell this lady, I'm Jesus, and my faith made you whole. He said, lady, your faith made you whole. Another question. How many know the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons? Amen. God is no respecter of persons. So if this woman could have faith to make her whole and get the answers, if she could have it and you can't, then God's a respecter of persons. So if her faith could get her answers, then your faith could get your answers. Amen. And I, I want to say this again now. He's no respecter of persons, but if you're taking notes, it might be good to write this down, but he is a respecter of faith. Amen. He doesn't honor one person above another, but he honors the faith of the rich man, the poor man, the white man, the black man. No matter who you are, faith is faith. And faith works for every person on the planet, no matter which side of the tracks you're born on, or if your town, town didn't even have any tracks, your faith will work. And so let's start looking at this story right now. And uh, I, I just want to go through this woman's life. And the reason I'm talking about this like I am, some of you right now may be looking at some mountains, some things, that if your natural understanding tried to figure it out, you're trying to figure out, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Well, you can't do anything except be a person of faith and do what God shows you to do. And if God doesn't show you anything, keep on coming to church. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on praying. Keep on praising. Keep on loving. And, you know, just a, just a little side note, uh, Pastor Dave teaching on love now. Well, you know, that's what our devotionals are. And I wrote out for this month was all about the love walk. I know in my life, in some of my most crisis times, here's what I've always stuck with in my own heart, with my words, this Jesus I don't know exactly if I'm handling this right the best way I can, but Lord, look at my heart. This is what I know to do, but Jesus, I am not going to be mean with people going through this. I'm going to love people because faith works by love. Love never fails, and no matter how bad it is around me, I am going to treat people right because I know that the day I start to be ugly and mean with people because I'm going through a hard time, that's the day I start going down and I lose. That's a nugget for somebody out here right now. No matter what's going on, don't take it out on people, especially the people you love that's in your own house. Amen. How come the easiest targets are the ones that can help you the most? Duh, the devil. Uh, I think about what Jason, one of our sons, was. He, he, he's, he's a little older now. He's in his 50s. But anyway, we'd sit and teach to the Bible at nighttime. And I'd read Romans 8, 31, and I'd say, Kids, if God be for us, who could be against us? The devil. 
And so stop and think about this warfare we're in. Would Jesus want you to lash out at the people in your family that are the most ones on your side of anybody on the earth? Would he want you to lash out at them and go through a hard time? No. He wants you to reach out to them more than ever. That's the ones that can help you. And so guard your faith by guarding your love. Amen or oh me? Amen or oh me? Amen. How's your toes doing? Amen. You're doing a little checkup on that. Okay. And so this verse 25, Mark 5, 25. And, you know, as, as, as a teacher of the Word of God, there's things that I've learned about the Bible that I just automatically jump off at me. It says in verse 25, at a certain woman. Well, sometimes it says that Jesus told them a parable. A parable is a make-believe story. It's a story that he tells give you a natural illustration so you can understand spiritual truth. And then sometimes he talks about real people's lives. And so he says a certain woman, which had issue of blood 12 years, and so what he said right here is this. And, you know, I had a lady like this in my church back in Indiana years ago. This is called female trouble. You know, if I get into graphic, female trouble. This woman was bleeding for 12 years, and... How unpleasant would that be if you was a woman and had a problem like that for 12 years? Would you call that a mountain you wanted removed? Be that removed? Would you call that a serious problem? You know, uh, today they got an expression they like to use all the time. She had issues. Well, this woman had issues. She had an issue of blood. And think about this. 12 years. I've went through some things before that lasted a long time. And, you know, you want to say out of your mouth, is this ever going to end? But we trained ourselves to speak faith all the time through the whole thing. We never ignored problems, but we stayed in faith. We're going to show you how. So this woman had an issue of blood 12 years. And I think about what we're talking about, these principles of faith here. This is about a healing issue, but it might be a financial problem. It could be a problem in the family. You know, you may have a relative that you love, and there's a division, and you don't like that division. And you haven't spoken to each other for years. And you know that you're not necessarily mad at them anymore. And you're sure they're not mad at you, just not talking. And so it's been on a long time. You know, man, we've got to get this together. Our family has got to come together again. We've got to get these things right. And so as I read this about this woman's health issue, just keep in mind, if there's something in your life going on that's not health, but it's something else, then these faith principles will work for you. So she had this problem 12 years and then verse 26, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So it says that she went to all the doctors in her realm of influence, said none of the doctors could help her. You know, in modern times, I know that people can go to doctors all over the world now on the Internet. They can check things out. They can learn things. They can do all, do all they can try to do. And then it says that she went broke. No more money. You know, no more, no more health care insurance. She was out of money. She was out of doctors. And after all these years, she was worse. And, you know, I want to say this again. This could apply to health things. This is a health story because he said a certain woman. But he's talking about faith because he said her faith ended up getting the answer. And so if you've got a family trouble, financial trouble, 
whatever it is you're dealing with, an addiction, might be an addiction you've tried, and the more you try to get delivered, the more addicted you are. And you're thinking, man, who's going to get me out of this? I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And you've Googled and you've goggled and you've Facebooked and you've did all the stuff you know to do and you've got all the likes you can get and all the sending of prayers hung and all those things like that, except you're worse. Amen. Can anybody know what I'm saying? So in other words, this woman was trying all the natural mental things she knew to do with her understanding, and I'm very sure that she had some things. Message me on private, hun, and tell me who you know. As it, does anybody know who a good doctor is for this area? Does anybody know who a good this is, that is? Can anybody give me the answers? Well, you know what? There's only one that has the right answer. Why do so many people start the bottom before they get to the top? Why don't you just go to the head start off with? Who's the head of the church? Amen. Where's the Holy Spirit live? Who has all the answers? The Holy Spirit. And so we're talking about her faith made her whole. And so notice this here. Nothing better, rather grew worse. Verse 27. Verse 27. It says, Then when she had heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. Finally, she got the right source, got the right answer. Now hold your place and look at Romans 10, 17. Now we're looking at how this process of faith, how, how the principles of faith work that get you the answer so that Jesus can say to you, Barbara, your faith made you whole. Raymond, your faith made you whole. Amen. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by Google and Facebook and 10,000 likes. Uh, copy and paste this 10,000 times and I know the money will show up. Copy and paste this 10,000 times and I'll get reunited with my family. That's not the way it works. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This woman had this problem 12 years. How many doctors did she hear you think in 12 years? How many people did she hear from in 12 years? How many people did she cry on, get on Facebook? Oh, I hate that. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't help but talk about that all the time because I'm tired of seeing Christians lose on Facebook. Get on Facebook and say, Oh, emoji, sad face. What a day this is. Oh, life is so horrible. I think I'm going to end it all. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden, 15, 15 gossips. Message me, hun. Message me, hun. Message me, hun. And so then, did, it, did, did anybody ever watch Hee Haw besides me? Hee Haw. You remember the Hee Haw song, Doom, Despair, Agony on Me? I think that's the Facebook song. Amen. You know, you know, I look at Facebook on occasion. You know what I like to see? When I was gone for several weeks, I love to see your faces on there, watching the church services, watching your posts about what God was doing, watching the pictures of your babies grow up, watching these graduation ceremonies, all these 
different kids, the things you were going. That's what I like to see. When I'm in California, I like to see my grandchildren in Florida and Indiana and around the country. I like to see my grandkids. I like to see my kids, what they're doing. I think Facebook has some good value, but Facebook is not the Word of God. Amen. It might have some answers, but, you know, wouldn't it be a terrible thing if you was a kid in school and you wanted to cheat on the test and you looked over the kid next to you and he had the wrong answers too and you copied his answers and you both flunked? Most of the people that you want to run to for help, they got the wrong answers. Go to the person already been divorced five times. Oh, I'm having marriage trouble. Can you help me? Oh, boy, I got just the answer. Divorce the jerk. I'll tell you what. I'll show you how to get even, man. I, I know the dirty tricks. I'm getting ready to get married again, and I give this one six months, but I'll tell you what, I already know how to win. <laughs> Says this woman heard of Jesus and so Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So that's the first time the woman stepped into the faith arena. When she quit listening to the wrong sources of information, got hooked up with the source that had the answers, then faith cometh. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. If you want to have faith to get through what it is you're facing in life, if you refuse to spend much time in your Bible researching, praying, looking for answers, you're never going to get out of the babyhood stage of Christianity. You're always going to need somebody to change your diapers and clean up your messes. Amen. And can I tell you something else? Uh, I, I made this decision 42 and a half years ago when I first got saved and I found out Jesus was real because I, I, I didn't really... I uh, had much faith at all for anything because I wasn't living for the Lord for years. Well, I made a decision. I had met a few religious people that bragged about how they could read the Bible through every year, every time they read it, but they were absolutely depressed messes in life. They were people I wouldn't want to be around. They were so religious, they helped nobody, but they had their braggers rights how many times they could read the Bible through. And so what the Lord spoke to my heart, he'd rather me learn one verse a year that I live by did read the whole Bible and have nothing. And so I found out that as good as devotions are, that if I'm going through a crisis in life financially, but my health is doing great, I don't need to spend that season majoring on, majoring on healing books. I need to major on what the Bible has to say about money, about tithing, about God supplying all my needs. That's where I need to be. If my money's doing good, and my health's doing good, but I'm having problems raising my kids or problems in my marriage. I don't need to be studying a lot of healing stuff, a lot of tithing things. I need to study about how can I be the best dad I can be? How can I be the best husband I can be? I'm having turmoil in my home, and so what difference does it make if I've got a million dollars in the bank but I lose my family? And so in other words, what I'm saying is this. If your crisis is family things, have faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. A couple things I'd do, I'd get back to a Christian bookstore like this, and I'd get some books on being a husband and a wife and a dad and a mom and those kind of things, and I would find out what the Bible has to say to do, because then I'd have faith. 
for my marriage to succeed. I'd have faith for my children to turn out right. Amen? You said what I'm saying. And so it's not just reading the Bible for the purpose of reading the Bible. It's being specific and, have, and having a mission when you read the Bible. What is it I want to study? And if everything's going well in life, just be a person that does your devotions and read the Bible and just study to have fun. But when attacks come, get serious, be specific, and study verses for what you Amen. No better preaching than your shouting. Amen. And so she heard of Jesus. And then I want you to notice this. At verse 28, we're going back to 27. At verse 28, and this. Before she said, says she heard of Jesus, then she said something. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She said something. She said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, hold your place and go to chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, and we're showing principles of faith, how to receive from God every time. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and verse 23. And Jesus is telling tell the disciples how faith works, and not just for them, but for everybody. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. That's the number one thing. You've got to have your faith in the right person. You've got to have your faith come in the right direction. And I know, I know that uh, back on our little trip we just had, our little missions trip we just had, Mrs. Pastor and I, that uh, there's a few people we got to minister to, and when I prayed with them, I said things like this, Jesus, I'm so glad as we're praying what we're praying about that we're not just speaking words into the air, that you're really real, you're listening. And I said, Father, I want to thank you. We're not just saying words to say words. You really are there. We can't see you, but we know you're there. And though when we're praying, you're listening. And Lord, because we're praying your word, we know you're answering. And so I think for Christians, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how it works for you, but I know how it works for me, no matter where I am. I mean, I, I pray it all the time, talk to the Lord. But when I really got to zero in, I've got to close my eyes to shut out what I see. I've got to close my eyes, and that's what the Bible says is the secret place of the Most High. I've got to close my eyes because no matter what's going on, when you close your eyes, there's just something that takes place spiritually where you just begin to sense the Spirit of God, where you're able to get closer to there, and you start knowing that you know that you know that you know that because you're praying, you're not just saying words. How many, how many have ever seen public speaker preachers, maybe more, I don't know what to say, maybe more professionals than called ones? I don't know what to say. But in other words, they write prayers because they sound good and people's going to listen to them. It'll be like a political speech. They're going to clap because of how good that prayer was. And then you get, you get people, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. Said, he said, there's one Pharisee come to pray. And he said, God, I'm glad I'm not like all these sinners here. Look at me, how good I am. I give money to people. I help people. God, I'm not like them. And then Jesus said, this other man come up. And he beat his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me. I know I'm a sinner. I need you. And then Jesus said, which one of those do you think God heard? And so what I'm saying is this. When you pray... We're not praying to impress people. 
how good we pray so they can cheer us. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, they have the reward. People said, woo, ain't they something? But he said, when you pray, you pray your father in secret. And your father that hears in secret will answer you openly. As I'm just saying, in praying time, it says, have faith in God. To me, and I'm not going to close my eyes while I'm driving. I'll pull off the road if I have to. But to me, when I'm praying, and it's either just fellowship with the Lord, but it's a serious prayer about things, I need God to move things, change things. I close my eyes, and then I don't just feel like I'm talking into the air. I make a connection with heaven. that help anybody? Amen. So he said, have faith in God. And remember now, this woman said that when I touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Verse 23 Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, here's how your faith in God works. Whoever shall say, I circled say, this is so important. We're talking about your faith. Jesus talked about how you release your faith in God. Whoever shall say unto this mountain. And I want to say again, if you're facing a crisis in life, that's your mountain. If something's got a stronghold on you, have you ever heard the expression in the Bible, stronghold? Well, stronghold is when the devil or life has a stronghold on you. It's got you at a grip, and you may feel like you just want to die and go to heaven. You may feel like you want to quit your job. You may feel like you want to walk out of your family. You may feel like, what's the use? I'm done. I'd call that a mountain, wouldn't you? A stronghold. But he said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. I want to talk about that. Our heart, our inner man, our spirit, is what got born again. When you got born again, your mind stayed the same. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says you're supposed to renew your mind. You're supposed to feed on the Word of God, read the Word of God. Get the Word of God in your heart and in your thinking. And so when we're going through crises, and you know, I think about a few crises I've seen in my life since I've been around when my son David had leukemia was crippled. Tell you what, that was a crisis. But when we prayed and we believed, our heads, you, you don't think our heads didn't get hit with doubt? Man, we're in that little glass room up at the hospital in Indianapolis right outside the nurse's station to watch this boy because they thought he was going to die? Got all these wires and tubes, and I don't know how fancy the hospitals are now, probably a lot more so. This way back in the, in the 1980s, when he, when he had those things going on, and we prayed, our heads were totally hit with doubt. All the time, the little bleep, 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 bleeps, and all the nurses watching the monitors come running, do different things like that. But you know what I did? I just closed my eyes. I'd say, Jesus, you said, if I say, it shall not doubt in my heart. Lord, I do not doubt in my heart. I believe in Jesus' name. My son's coming out of here. He's coming out of here healed. Lord, I don't doubt in my heart. And that's what you said, Jesus. Faith works in my heart. And this is what has got to help you. If you focus on the problem, on the mountain, with your eyes, you know what you're going to say? Mountain, you're getting bigger. He said, that's not what you say. You say, mountain be removed. Do you want the mountain to get bigger? You want the problem to get bigger, you want it to go away. I'll tell you what, you need to write this statement down I'm going to make. 
faith will always work from your heart, even with doubt in your head. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, to walk by faith, not by sight. You don't look at the mountain. And let me tell you something else I've learned, too, by experience in every area of life in this faith life, whether it's financial, whether it's family, whether it's health things, don't go looking every day to see if something changed on your body, to see if something changed in what you're looking at. You live with Jesus. You keep your eyes on the Word, keep your eyes on Jesus. And what I found 100% of the time, all of a sudden, whatever it was I was dealing with financial, health-wise, all of a sudden, I recognized, hey, that's been going for a while. When, when did it leave? That thing's going off my body. Hey, those bills are paid. Wow, this relationship's restored. They think, wait a minute. This thing's been real good now for two or three weeks, and I didn't even recognize it. You know why? I wasn't focusing on the problem. I was focusing on the answer, on Jesus' Word of God. And, you know, let me throw something else at you, too. Uh, the Bible doesn't really teach manifestation. A lot of Christians, they picked this up somewhere years ago. Well, don't have manifestation yet. Well, you know what you're doing? You're talking doubt then. Faith believes it receives when it prays. If you're watching manifestation, you're not watching Jesus. I'll tell you what, I just kicked over a sacred cow. I can tell that. The Bible doesn't teach watch for manifestation. The Bible teaches keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Word. Keep your eyes on speaking faith. Keep watching for manifestation. There's a good chance it'll manifest bigger. The word's the answer. Glory to God. That's good preaching. I wish somebody had told me these things years ago. Amen. Good faith people helps. Anyway, he said back here, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he what? Saith. There it is again. Say to the mountain, believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever what? He saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You need to do three times more talking about the answer than you do about the believing part. He said you believe in your heart, you don't doubt your heart, but three times he said, say it, say it, say it, say it. you got to keep on speaking the answer. Faith always, always, always speaks the answer, not the problem. Now back to Mark chapter 5. So she heard of Jesus as she got faith. Then number two, she spoke her faith, what she expected. She spoke the answer. I touch the clothes, I'll be whole. And now back to verse 27 then, and the third part then. It says, look at the last part of that verse. It says, she came in the crowd and touched his garment. She heard about Jesus, and what she heard was this man has anointing. He's got the anointing of God. Everywhere he goes, when he touches people, they get healed. As a woman said, I'm going to get to him, and I'm going to touch him. And when I touch him, he's got anointing. All I have to do is touch his clothes. He's anointed. I get to the place of the anointing, and I'm going to be healed. She didn't say, well, I hope it works. She said, when I get there, it will work. I'm going to touch him. I'll be whole. And so she said, uh, she came in the press. That means she did something. 
And that's point number three, you've got to do something. You hear from the Word of God what the answer is. That gives you faith. Then number two, you begin to speak the answer. You speak your faith. Then number three, you've got to act on it. Hold your place and look at James chapter 1, verse 22. And, you know, I want to say this again because we need to keep on hearing this and hearing this. The Bible talks about being a meek person. You need to be meek. Meek simply means teachable. You need to be teachable. And when I, when I go to services other places or when some of the people in our church here teach the Word of God, no matter who it is, you know, we, get a lot, we let a lot of you teach sometimes and do things. Every time that happens, I sit there in that front row with my notebook and my Bible open, just like Kenneth Copeland or Joyce Myers or some other great Bible teachers teaching, because I know that that person up here in this holy pulpit has the same Holy Spirit I do, and even if there's somebody that's not as polished, been around as long as I have, they're teaching the Word of God. And God's going to speak something through them from their perspective because our thought processes are all different. And so there's going to be something that's set up here that I'm going to get to help me for later, and then sometimes I get to preach it, and there's, there's an unwritten rule that the first time that a preacher quotes what somebody else said. I say, okay, Melinda, Melinda Johnson's the one that said this. I gave her credit for it. Now, after that, from now on, it's mine. I own it. <laughs> you know, that sounds kind of funny, but you think about it. Everything we learn, we've learned through somebody else saying it. And then we get to the place in life where it's always, we thought, man, where did I hear that at? Sometimes, remember, sometimes we don't. But when it's Bible, then we stick with it. And so, no matter how many times you've heard these faith things talk like I'm teaching right now, you stay teachable, stay meek, and say, Jesus, I want to learn more. I want to see something. And then at the very least, your faith you've already got will be strengthened. The first time you hear something taught in the Bible, that's called seed planted. And Jesus said, your heart is God's soil. And if you're good soil, that seed's planted. It's going to be there ready to grow. Then the next time, you hear it taught, that's seed watered. And the seed grows by the more water it gets. So when you sit under the word of God and you're taught and you're taught and you're taught, then that seed is growing every time and it will produce fruit if you hang on to it. <clears throat> and so James 1.22, that woman heard, she said, and then she did, she came to Jesus. It says, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Be doers of the word. Don't talk about tithing, tithe. Don't talk about loving, love. Don't talk about forgiving, forgive. Amen. Don't talk about the job you're going to get, go get it. Whatever it is, do it. It says be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so I wrote this down years ago. That's so good. I stick with it. It's not what you hear and know. It's what you know and do that gets results. It's not what you hear and know, it's what you know and do. How many people, how many people, I wonder there are, in hell today that knew that Jesus was real, they received him as a child, walked away, went back out to the world, and they always thought, someday I'm coming to church again. Someday I'm going to live right again. Someday, someday, someday. Well, every day the devil's out there wanting to take you out. And praise God, I had a great Baptist grandma 
knew how to pray for me and saved my butt many times. And I was able to live long enough to get right with God. But praise God. The people that have the intentions of someday getting right with God, someday might not come. Because they've already heard and they know that Jesus is the answer, but that doesn't get them to heaven. It's when they call upon the name of the Lord. That's when they're saved. It's when you tithe. That's when the benefits work. It's when you lay hands on the sick. That's when the healing comes. It's when you forgive. That's when forgiveness comes. It's not what you hear and know. It's what you know and do. And so just a question just to think about. In things you're dealing with with life today, is there something in your life right now that's undone you need to fix? Is there something that God has dealt with you about, that dealt with you, that dealt with you on, and you know you need to do it, except you're not doing it? It's not what you hear and know, it's what you know and do. It gets results. And so the woman heard, she said, and then she acted on the word. And I want to go back and we'll close. We'll close as we look at this. She said, verse 28, When I touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And this says, straightway, or immediately, after 12 years, after 12 years, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. It stopped. Over with. Do you know you can receive your miracle in one second? You can receive your miracle, financial, family. All it takes is God to touch the heart of division in the family. Just touch the heart of you or the person that you've had division with and all of a sudden it's over with. Think, wow. This was possible all the time and that's all it took was just saying, Jesus, help. And the financial thing, same way. It says she felt the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She felt in her body she was healed of that plague. Verse 34, I'm going to read it one more time. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and behold thy plague. So we close with these words. Let's just stand up. Close with these words. Hello? God calling. Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay, we close with these words. That Jesus said her faith made her whole. So I hope you took notes. If you don't, you can see this on the Internet. But the main thing is, number one, for your faith to change what you're dealing with, get away from stupid things. Look at the Word of God for your answer. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. God's no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. Number two, zip the lip unless you're speaking in line with the answer. One more time. You need to hear that one. This is the New Living Translation. Zip the lip. In other words, shut up, stupid. Well, that comes from a family of the church that taught us that. that. <laughs> Amen. Think, think about what I just said. If you are speaking the problem more than the answer, guess what you're going to get? You're going to have more of the problem. Number three, is there something you're supposed to do 
And if you don't know anything to do, praise always works. Love always works. But then there's going to come a point in time when Jesus is going to say, Alexis, your faith made you whole. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. I'll tell you what, after being gone a few weeks, it's good back to being in the saddle again. <laughs> you never forget how to ride. All right. Well, as we uh, pay attention to the Lord now, we, you know, it, it's probably good this last little bit when Josh leads us like this, if we close our eyes to focus in on him, especially if he's speaking to your heart now about something, to kind of get it solidified what he's saying. And if you need prayer, you know we're up here to pray. And we might be your point of contact by means that. By, what I mean by that is this. The woman said, if I touch but the hymn is garment, I shall be whole. It might be you're thinking, well, if I can just get the pastors to agree with me, I know I've got it. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. He said, if any two shall agree touching anything, be definitely by my Father in heaven. And so that is not a lack of faith. That's using your faith. If that's the step Jesus showed you to do is get somebody in spiritual leadership to agree with you, then you'll say, Jesus, I'm going to touch the hem of your garment. And when I do, I know I've got the answer. So whatever it is you need, let's worship him. And if you need us to pray with you, come up here. We'll be glad to pray with you. Amen. Josh. And God is here. God is here. God is here and he is able. We draw near to see Jesus face to face. God is here. God is here. God is here and he is faithful. We draw near to see Jesus so.
your spirit and Jesus be
Thank you, Jesus. How many got blessed? Amen. The Word of God is so good. And you know, I, I was thinking, as we were all in the presence of God, people getting answers here at the altar, I'm so happy with this congregation that you recognize that this is a holy time when people are getting help, because next time it could be you up there, and you'd be so grateful when the other uh, church members are in unity with us. Amen. We've got a great church. These things happen. Amen. <clears throat> really good church. And, and also, before we do our faith confession, isn't it so nice to know that we leave, leave this building, God leaves, because he doesn't leave in build, He doesn't live in buildings anymore. He lives in us. We're God's house now. When we leave, he leaves. But guess what? He doesn't leave us. He stays with us, except when we come in here, his presence increases because the more of us carrying his anointing. And that's what makes church so good, not to just watch it online, but to be in the sanctuary because all this anointing is multiplied. Amen. Let's make our confession over Barstow. And how many believe we're seeing results in Barstow? Isn't this a great city? This is a wonderful place to live. You know, I, I think about myself. I came 2,000 miles just to live here. Had my family relocated. So I've, you, some of you guys are natives. We're transplants. You know, we're grafted into the vine, but we're sure glad to be here. We want to be where God wants us, and you do too, don't you? Great place. You ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.